You're listening to Three Valleys Radio. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no Welcome to our In Conversation programme, featuring sporting heroes from the world of sport in general and past and present Yeovil players and supporters. And the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck. It's your chance to find out what makes these sporting heroes tick, and also we get a feel for their musical preferences. To take you out of this place, someone you can lend. In return for grace It's a beautiful day So sit back and enjoy As Three Valleys Radio brings you the best in local sport Unlike most weeks, I'm actually sat next to my guest, which is today is Lenny Bond. Hello, Lenny. H. It's lovely to have you, mate. It's lovely to have you. You know, you know what it's all about. It's basically a question of um, Desert Island Disc meets This Is Your Life, to put it an easy way. Sounds good. Uh, okay. So, um, Leonard Allen Bond, you were born on the 12th of February, 1954, which is my wedding anniversary, funny enough, in uh, Barrington in Somerset. And, of course, that's not very far from where we are today. No, we're in a lovely spot here today in uh, North Perrot, which is beautiful, sunny afternoon. And, uh, like I said, Barrington, not a million miles away. And, uh, like I said, I've been brought up as a West Country boy until I was 15 at, uh, and also supported Yeovil all my life. I've mm. uh, been a lifelong supporter. Now, tell me, think back to when you were... Um, um Think back to when you were a, a little junior, played in uh, football in Barrington. What exactly, you know, what memories have you got of that? Oh, I've got some great memories because obviously, um, born in Barrington, brought up in uh, primary school at Barrington, then moved on to Wilmington. Um, and like I said, it was just a, a lovely time to be around then, you know, playing football on the streets. Um, we had, you know, 15 asides, you know, on a Saturday evening, playing it until it was dark. Yeah. Uh, just great time to be. And uh, like I said, a lot of good friends I grew up with. And uh, like I said, it was just a lovely time to be around. Getting all your shoes scuffed, I expect, as well, were you? That was a problem. I always used to get a lot of grief from my mum and dad because yeah. obviously they were having to buy, buy shoes because we were playing, like I say, on the on the road, which was normally concrete. Yeah. Not like today where it's tarmac, but um, mm. we didn't have any, obviously, uh, <laughs> astro pitches in those days. No, quite, quite. So, uh, you know, um, when did you actually start playing for uh, a team? Well, I started uh, playing for a team not until I was about uh, 12, um, which was at Ilminster Secondary Wonders School, where I played for the school team as an outfield player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I turned 13, I was I always liked to mess about in goal, and uh, I ended up uh, starting in goal uh, because the uh, teacher at the time, Mr Jones, saw me and said, I think you'd be better off in goal. So I played and 
things developed and I got better and better and uh, and I used to love love it throw myself around yeah 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 and uh, how did things progress from from school then well from from there from about 13 I um I had a, a quick uh, move up up the ladder so to speak because within about six months I was playing for Yeovil and district schools in goal uh, at 13 for the under 15s then I got uh, picked for the Somerset under 15s and then Bristol City um, saw me playing for Somerset and then offered me a schoolboy contract at 13 uh, and then I used to go up to Bristol on the school holidays and uh, train uh, at Bristol City and have like seven or ten days at, at the club right and um, you obviously enjoyed it and you must have shown some sort of promise then to uh, to be you know getting around the Bristol City and what have you yes it was great because obviously uh, the chief scout was a guy called Cliff Morgan and uh, like I said he um, was instrumental in getting me to Bristol City and obviously it was a, a, a club that was obviously close to my heart as well as Yeovil mm. um, and it wasn't uh, too far really from from uh, Somerset and um, obviously which suited uh, my dad for travelling and getting me to to the club and also my mother whereas I wouldn't be too far away from home Now we've, we've got the dreaded Wikipedia pages out and they never seem to be totally accurate and I'm sure you'll correct me on them but according to this you started at Bristol City in 1971 does that sound right to you? That's about right actually it was 69 actually when I was um, I, I started as an apprentice yeah. after being there for two years as a schoolboy um, and I, I left school on the Friday at 15 years of age and then I left home on the Sunday mm-hmm. and then travelled up to Bristol and then moved into uh, with a family at Bristol but they call it digs in those days and I then became an apprentice professional for two years yeah and, uh, yeah. then I was literally head boot boy um, and I was cleaning boots every day seven days of, well sorry six days a week because we used to get Sundays off Yeah. and then probably playing on a Saturday afternoon uh, in the third team which we used to play at Farley uh, and that was against uh, a lot of the local teams in the Western League mm-hmm. and, and who else was in the team with you any, any names that, that went on to become uh, you know a star shall we call well, it I was, I was lucky enough to play with some very very good names because uh, the the main the main guy who was just slightly older than I was when I, when I joined Bristol City was Chris Garland mm-hmm. Who ended up playing for uh, Chelsea and Leicester City? Uh, Jerry Gow, who went on to play for Man City. Uh, Keith Fear, who scored some unbelievable goals for Bristol City in the FA Cup runs, and when we got into the, um, the Division One, which is now the Premiership. So there's one or two lads that uh, played in in that side in the Western League when we were 15 and 16 years of age mm. um, that went on to make it um, at a very good level. Yeah, including yourself, of course. Yes, I managed to um, to play in Division One, um, which is now like the Premiership. I played uh, two games, and uh, the last game was at Aston Villa where I got injured, but managed to stay the you know the last seventy minutes with on one leg because there was no no substitutes in those days. Well, I'd like to see you on one leg. <laughs> yes, well, it, it wasn't uh, wasn't easy, especially as it was my right leg and I couldn't kick the ball. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, look, we'll, we'll pause there for a minute because you've given me some music to play. Um, the first choice is uh, David Bowie. What, what what reminds you so much of David Bowie then? Well, it was um, I got into David Bowie because um, uh, a lad called Kevin Griffin, who was um, a fellow apprentice, got me into music. Yeah. And he was a big David Bowie fan. And when it, when he played me the album, I just started listening to it. I thought, wow, this is great. And as time progressed, I started to 
get involved with um, with space, and I was um, really into uh, you know the space shuttle, and uh, I've been out to America and been to NASA, and Starman. It, when you listen to the words, is um, is right mm. up there. Yeah, basically. Okay. All right. Well, let's listen to Starman a minute.
Okay, well, that was Star Starman. Not I was going to say Star Wars there for a minute. Then Starman um, still bring back the memories, does it? Of space and whatever. Oh yeah, I, like I said, I still like um, I like looking at uh, all those things, and uh, like I said, and uh, it, it brings back some great memories from days at, uh, at Bristol City when I was an apprentice. So then, uh, seventy four. It says here you moved to Exeter on loan for thirty games. Yeah, I was. Um, I obviously when I was uh, at Bristol City, my first first year, I managed to rupture a kidney in a practice practice match at Western Supermare, and of course, I had to recoup for a year, and um, and then I was I was coming back as third choice, and I said to the manager Alan Dix at the time, uh, I would like to go on loan and play some first team football, mm-hmm. and it was good for the club, it was good for me, and I was playing um, on my first loan period. I went to Exeter for a month and ended up staying six months on loan uh, with them, which was a great experience for me uh, because I was playing first-team football. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Like I said, at that age, it was, it was great. Any memorable games during that spell? Uh, yeah, I got a few that, um, that my debut for, um, for Exeter was great. We played, um, played at uh, Northampton and uh, we went to Northampton and drew and uh, like I said, it was, a, it was a game that I had one of those games where things were hitting me and I was saving nearly everything and I was lucky enough to be playing uh, with an ex-Yogle Town manager Jimmy Giles who oh. really looked after me that day because obviously Jimmy's a lot older than I am Yeah, and um, he was a centre half and he was he was brilliant but it was just a, the excitement of playing first team football after playing combination at Bristol City and playing third team football to go and play first team football uh, for a club and be really wanted and, and playing in front of people you know there was mm. lots lots of people that I was looking up to six seven eight thousand gates um which was a real buzz for me yeah absolutely and i presume you know once the old adrenaline starts rushing especially as a goalkeeper it kind of uh, it sort of multiplies and, and you, you sort of get better yes it, it certainly lifts your game and uh, like i said you know you're playing in the first team it gives you that uh, that lift and you think to yourself wow this is where i want to be Mm. You know, some people get there and they freeze but for me it was the other way I I used to love it. I couldn't wait for Saturdays to come round uh, the more I was playing the, the more I enjoyed it mm. Mm. Uh, more so than training I'd sooner play and uh, if we had three games a week it was great because you'd play rest yeah. play rest and it was great you know so then you had three games then in 1975 at Torquay as well yes um, Malcolm Musgrove was uh, the manager there and uh, went down and he was um, another another great guy a uh, good coach and I had uh, like I said, a short period of time there. But again, it was all gaining experience. And um, I was still a, a player at Bristol City, but I was getting loaned out and playing first-team football. And, and a great place to be, Torquay. And how old would you have been then? Let's have a look. Uh, 75, about 20 then. Yeah, just yeah, roughly so, about then. You know, single, yeah. 20, Torquay, mm. great place to be. And um, like I said, it, again, it was in the West Country, so I, the travelling wasn't too bad. And um, like I said, it was a lovely place to be. And, uh, you know, obviously... Plenty of sunshine, and uh, so things went from bad to worse then because you ended up at Scunthorpe, though, which I should think is such a nice place to be. Well, no, Scunthorpe. <laughs> as, as we look back, and I look back now, as Scunthorpe, I I actually love my time there. They mm. were, I think, bottom of the Division Four then, um, but and the guy who just taken over as manager was a guy called Dickie Rooks, ex Middlesbrough mm. centre half, and he was at Bristol City with me. All right, and it was his first club, and again. Yeah more experience I went out to Scunthorpe and um, I think uh, I made my debut for Scunthorpe against uh, Doncaster Rovers which was the local derby mm. 
and uh, we played them on Boxing Day and uh, we played um, Doncaster Rovers they were I think sitting pretty good in the league and we were right at the bottom and we beat them in my first game and uh, there was about ten and a half thousand and I'm thinking wow this is great you know first game for them ten and a half thousand for a Division 4 game I mean and the atmosphere was electric and I thought well this is going to be really good mm. so I had a, a great time there um, I think I played five or six games and um, you know we won I think three or four games um, which took took us off the bottom of the, t- of the table which was great yeah absolutely you know, and then after six games I think I got dragged back to Bristol City Mind you, I suppose you wouldn't have missed the uh, steelworks at Scunthorpe. No, it, it was a bit bleak, but we we had uh, some characters in the side, and uh, like I said, uh, we used to, we actually enjoyed ourselves off the field as well, uh, because another lad there who was a friend of Ian Botham's, Joe Nainan was the other keeper, um, and Joe was a bit of a character as well. But uh, overall, um, it was a it was a great time for me. Hmm. So, but you were still basically signed off as a Bristol City player. It's just loan loan spells all the time. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm still obviously uh, contracting with with Bristol City, and it was just a matter of me playing because we had some good keepers at Bristol City, and I wanted first team football, and I wanted to learn learn the trade by playing because obviously you can train, mm. but when you're playing, you make mistakes. You've got to deal with the mistakes mentally, as well yeah. as physically. Yeah, and uh, that was a big help in my in my career. And then Colchester for three games. According to this, yes, I had, uh, Bobby Roberts was a manager. Uh, that and now that was the one club I didn't like. Yeah, uh, I went there and uh, we my first game we got beat four one against Hereford. Yeah, John Slit was in charge at Hereford. My old boss at Bristol City, who obviously went on to be manager at Coventry when they won the FA Cup, and what a super guy he was. And mm. uh, he looked after me from a schoolboy level until I um, until I obviously left Bristol City. But he was great. And um, like I said, we got hammered four uh, one. But I my my time at Hereford. At Sorry, right, uh, culture never really took off. I didn't like it there, um, and I, I wasn't very happy there at all. Okay, well, let's have some more music then, Len. Um, next on the list, we've got Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. Now, I can remember the one I can remember is Communication Breakdown by Led Zeppelin with Jimmy Page and that brilliant, oh, brilliant band, aren't they? But, I mean, wonderful, wonderful band, and you could sit sit in your car and, and listen to that on your own, and it just yeah uh, puts tingles down your. Down if you, and if you want to wake the neighbours up, <laughs> Led Zeppelin is a band to do it, isn't it? They are, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, well, let's have a little listen to Jimmy Page and Led. Zeppelin. Ooh, 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 
There's a sign on the wall But she wants to be sure Cause you know sometimes words have a songbird who sings Sometimes all of our thoughts are misused
two. Well, there we go. Jimmy Page there and Led Zeppelin and Stairway to Heaven. A little bit different from the usual Led Zeppelin one, that one, though, isn't it? It's a quite, quite a quiet one. Yes, it is. And uh, like I said, it's uh, sometimes I, I, I do like my bouncy music, but uh, like I said, when the first time I heard that, I was, um, I can remember, I was at uh, Western Supermare. I was sat. Uh, um, listened to a radio and this came on I went well I just fell in love with the, with the music mm, you know, and mm. the band and I've been following them ever since and uh, like I say there's three or four really really good versions out there but you always go back to Led Zeppelin yeah yeah well then of course uh, things took a, a major change in 1976 because you ended up going to the States and playing for St. Louis Stars what was that all about oh, that must have been a bit again, of a change again it was another loan period I had uh, John Saul was a manager ex-Crystal Palace mm. and uh, the previous year they had Peter Bonetti so uh, they downgraded with me you know when I went there because obviously Peter was uh, ex-Chelsea um, but like I said I went there in 76 um, it was basically um, uh, American bass players um, and uh, we like I said when I went across there with uh, Keith Fear funny enough from Bristol mm-hmm. City mm-hmm. and um, we had uh, about six months with uh, St. Louis L- fantastic place uh, a big eye opener for me because obviously it's leaving the West Country um, for six months completely and um, and going into another environment um, but I really really loved it there and uh, obviously opened my eyes played a lot of football played against some great players um, you know, I played against George Best uh, when he was at LA. I played against Pele out there, um, Franz Beckenbauer. I've, we played against uh, on a friendly game. We played uh, Dynamo Kiev and uh, Oleg Blokin at the time, who played for Kiev. He was the European Footballer of the Year. Yeah, and we played them in a. They were on tour in, in St. Louis, and we played them. Maybe it's four one, but what a great side they were! But, but looking back, you know, on, on your career, what what a what a bunch of names to be able to say on your CV. You know, I've played against George Best and Pele and Blocking and Franz Beckenbauer. I mean, that, those are those are gods almost in football terms, aren't they? Yeah, when you look back, of people of my era, you look back and think, yes. I mean, uh, I was lucky enough to play in uh, Yankee Stadium against Pele, uh, and we we were winning one nil, and they took him off. Yeah, and but we ended up they brought us another Santos player at the time, and and then we got beat three one, but that was in Yankee Stadium of all places, which is a fantastic place to play yeah. in New York. Um, you know, like I said, play against George Best uh, in LA, and uh, did he score against you? He did. He scored the winner. It was uh, we were nil nil uh, after full time. Then they go into overtime, and they play the first goal wins the game. Oh, right, of course, yeah. he scored the goal. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but uh, fantastic and just to uh, go and off the, the beaten track of football the, after the game he came up because I had a, a, what I call a decent game yeah. and uh, shook my hand and we got chatting and Keith Fear and myself with him and uh, he took us out in, in LA alright yeah because uh, we always stayed after the game yeah. and then we flew back to St. Louis the following day yeah. um, after we played him but he was fantastic and I got to meet him um, four or five times after that but Did you? Uh, he yeah. was always a really really lovely guy yeah yeah. did he re- obviously remember you, remembered you when he, on these subsequent meetings then. yes because when we played uh, the return leg in, in St. Louis uh, a couple of months later I was on the bench and he was on the bench for LA um, injured mm. and uh, he came over and sat on our bench uh, as the game went on and mm. um, basically it was you know a nice nice thing for him to come over and yeah. chat. and then we returned the favour we took him out in St. Louis after the game Keith Freer and myself um, and we became not friends but acquaintances but yeah 
you know, we were, had, he had a bit of respect for us as much as we had for yeah. him, you know. And presumably that was after the uh, the episodes of, of Manchester United and what have you. This is by then he'd sort of quit and gone to America. That's right. He he went over the States and uh, obviously uh, a different ball game from out there because obviously he, he was more relaxed. Uh, being in LA, he was on the beach. He always looked... He looked great, you know, he was yeah. tanned, good-looking guy, and he could play. Yeah. He could play. He was such a great player. Um, and it was just just a pleasure to play against him. Mm. Such a waste, really, when you look back at it, isn't it? You know, a great player like that, and yet, yet very, very it all sad. kind of went wrong, didn't it? You know, yes, and... I mean, obviously, his, his episodes off the field um, were very, very sad. Uh, some of the things that went on, and it was sad that he died early mm. um, because he had so much more, like I said, to offer. But uh, yeah. Were great memories for me, and and uh, I shall never, you know, never forget the times. I say that uh, I was in his company. And what about what about Pele and Beckenbauer? Did you sort of mix with them much? Yeah, when we played, uh, we played the Cosmos, um, New York Cosmos, uh, the one time in in Yankee Stadium, which was fantastic. Great experience to be in a, a super stadium. You know, a lot of um, memories of baseball and 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 boxing and all that that went on there. Um, and uh, like I said, we uh, we obviously played the game and Pele was fantastic after the game came up shook hands you know and a really really nice guy in Beckenbauer I mean they're really really true true quality players you know and um, but Pele was just just I was just in awe of him really when you think that um, you know seen seen some of the things that um, he'd done in his career in the World Cups you know how he started and you know and I always remember my my hero is Gordon Banks mm. and I always remember that you know the great Great cross, great header in the 1970 yeah, World Cup yeah. at Mexico when he's he got a great header in, unbelievable. Where he rose, stayed in the air, headed it down, and Gordon Banks made the most unbelievable save. And to me, that was just mm. fantastic. Everything about the cross, the header, the save was just amazing. You, you know, it's interesting you talk about the header and and Pele, and you know, Pele was Pele. Let's face it, but. Just recently, did you see the goal that uh, Ronaldo scored for Juventus, where he's haggard in the air? And, Amazing, yes. Yeah. I mean, the height he got. But with with Pele, um, just going back to to the time uh, in in seventy World Cup, Pele was not is not a big guy. He's not mm. you know a six foot two. Whereas Ronaldo is, is yeah. six plus. Yeah. Pele is not. He's only about five five ten. Mm. You know, he's not a, for him to get up there and and make a header of that quality and that save from Gordon Banks who was also not a massive guy no. was amazing just to, to show it on film to have the cross the header and the save in a in a coaching manual would be unbelievable mm. all in one one instant you know and it was just yeah. fantastic you know, yeah. I always go back to that that time you know about uh, about that World Cup mm. and everything that went up happened more music now then um, what have we got now we have got the faces. Uh, tell me about the faces, Rod Stewart. The faces. Yeah, again, going back to Bristol City days in my apprentice days. Um, again, going back to Kevin Griffin, who got me into David Bowie. He also got me into the faces. Yeah. And it was just a you know a, a song that uh, hit a nerve with me, and um, and I just I just love it. It just gets makes me feel happy and bouncy, and um, and music used to help me. Uh, get myself motivated for games because the better the music mm. I found the better I used to play to get really, really high on some of the music and, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and I like so did you used to take your own music into the dressing rooms or did no, you leave it to somebody else that then it was just a matter of you had to think about these things and, and go back and, and relate back to you know what you'd see if I was back in, in, in the digs I'd play a bit of music before I went to the game oh, right, you yeah. know, and just get myself into the into the mode and um, like I said and it was just, just a, a great song 
uh, from a great band that uh, was around at that time and then like I said it just it's, it's always stuck with me that song okay well let's listen to the faces then and stay with me
There we go then. The faces and stay with me was Ronnie Lane in their band. He was, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah. Like I said, and uh, like I said, you had um, like Rod Stewart then came yeah. later on. He, he obviously then became Rod Stewart and the Faces. Um, and Ronnie Wood, wasn't he? Yes, yes yeah. he was there and all. Yeah, it's all because uh, Ronnie Wood and, and um, Rod Stewart, they're the best of buddies, you know. Mm. And, uh, but like I said, it was a. they started off, I think it was a Small Faces, and yeah. became the Faces, then That's became right, yeah. Rod Stewart and the, and the Faces. So, yeah, Small yeah. Faces, Ichiku Park. Remember Ichiku that one? Park, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, right, we're so we're we're still in St. Louis talking about Pele. Um, what about Beckenbauer? What sort of a bloke was he? Yeah, I didn't I didn't really uh, have much to do with him as such, but to watch him play, he had mm. he had so much time on the ball, and he and he, he you know he he made space for himself all the time, and, he, and you could see what a class player he was. Yeah, yeah. Again, going back to that 1970 World Cup final when um, when uh, Bobby Charlton was taken off in that World Cup. Mm. And then, Beckenbauer then came alive and uh, yeah. and then from being 2-0 up we lost the game 3-2 that's right I remember it well we were uh, on holiday at the time was a star again yeah. Yeah, just, but it was, a, it was just a pleasure to play against him you know and uh, at the time and like I said quality I remember that game well because we were on holiday in Tunisia at the time and hotel was full up with Englishmen and Germans Yeah, because so of course we were really giving him Two 0 up and oh, coasting, right. and then we ended up losing. Oh, we were all buzzy because uh, yeah. about that. Talking about St. Louis, because the year before Peter Bonetti, well, Peter Bonetti came into the side, yeah, and I felt he was hard done by because Gordon Banks picked up a bug, um, and he was just basically put into the side with earlier days now is and of course centre halves get used to goalkeepers and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. And it was he came in and they were trying to blame, but I think jo- uh, Good Muller scored a couple of opportunist goals for, for Germany. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, which was typical, you know, goal oh, Well he was like that, wasn't he, God Muller? He, yes. Yeah. So okay, so you come back from the States then, uh nineteen seventy seven and you joined Brentford. Well just before that I, I came back from America in seventy seven um and I was like a third choice when I got back to Bristol City and then all of a sudden I was playing well and then all of a sudden Ray Cashley who was in goal had an incident in a nightclub and then I got promoted to the first team and um, I got into the first team against uh, I made my debut in the Division 1 which again is the Premiership now against Leicester City at home uh, Frank Worthington and Chrissy Garland my, my buddy mm. was playing for Leicester City at the time and um, we uh, lost 1-0 um, but that and, and like I said then we played the following week against Aston Villa and uh, at Villa Park and uh, like I said I got injured after about like 15-20 minutes and I ripped my groin uh, my right my right side and uh, obviously that's my kicking foot and uh, obviously it had to be looked after by a, by our centre halves and mm. one was Dave Rogers a very good friend of mine who was a steady centre half I couldn't kick the ball I had to throw up through everything um, which is a bit sad and that was my last ever game for Bristol City mm. um, and I was out for about 13 weeks after that game and um, never played for the club again and then I moved on you know with the pre-season uh, to Brentford uh, and which was a great time in my my life because I went to a went to the club. I got transferred there. Got and it was the first time I'd been away from Bristol City on a permanent basis. And uh, I went there, signed a, a two-year contract uh, with Brentford. Um, and my first year, we got promoted, and um, we had to get a point at Watford, and they were up as champions. Um, and that was my first experience of ever meeting Elton John. All right. Because uh, I got to the got to the ground uh, with a lad called Dougie Older who played for Watford, and uh, we were on the pitch just the two of us waiting for Brentford boys to arrive on the coach, and um, out comes Elton John, 
and he knew Dougie and then Dougie introduced me to Elton John and um, like I say the rest was history on that one so yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Got the, we got the draw we got promoted that night and uh, like I said and then we got uh, then we went out and partied <laughs> with Elton John we did yes because yeah, yeah. obviously they got promoted as champions yeah. and Gorn, um, Graham Taylor was there and um, obviously lovely club Watford yeah. and I think that on the night there was this is Division 4 there was uh, I think it was 23,000 was it? Yeah. For the game, and we needed a point, and I think they needed a point, and I think we ended up two-two. And uh, like I said, we were everybody was in a great mood, and uh, we got promoted, so it was, it was real good. Yeah, and can you you know any other sort of landmarks? Because 122 appearances for Brentford—that's a long time. Yes, and in between, I broke my hand. Um, uh, in between, in a car accident, and uh, which was a bit sad. Um, but uh, no, I had uh, some great times there. We had. Uh, a uh, great place to be. We had uh, we. It was one of the few clubs, um, or the only club that's got four pubs on each corner. Oh, that's of the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we used to frequent the, the pubs after a game on a Saturday. Yeah. And we used to try and get round to all the four pubs <laughs> so that we wouldn't upset any landlords because yeah, obviously, yeah, you know, yeah. being Brentford fans, and it was days when we could probably go out and have a drink without being photographed. Yeah. Um, and it was a great great time to be there and uh, like I said we won promotion in the first year and uh, I played under a very good very good manager called Bill Dodgen Jr um, and uh, his assistant was Tommy Bowen the ex-Chelsea uh, striker uh, mm. number two and um, like I said we had a few good characters in that team funnily enough I think the first football match I ever went to see uh, would have been before your time, but it was Brentford because I used to live in in Ealing, in London, and Brentford's sort of like just. Oh, it was a stone throw. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I can't remember who it was, but I remember we went to because I used to, in those days, I used to go to either Brentford or Chelsea, depending mm-hmm. or Fulham. Yeah. Those those three because they close, were the all close. Yeah, yeah all close to get barbies. to. And when I think of it now, you know, my parents used to let me go, and I wasn't very old, and uh, you know, I'm probably talking twelve or thirteen, I spec, you know, and I was going on my own on the tube and. Lovely, uh, was a lovely club because Queen's Park Rangers was the nearest rival. Yeah, yeah. But um, talking of uh, personalities, that we, uh, my first season there, we obviously got promoted and we played in a a testimonial game. Yeah. And uh, I had the pleasure of playing um, with Rod Stewart. Oh right, yeah. Because obviously, yeah, you know, London boy and all that. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we used to get a lot of celebrities come to the games. Did you? Yeah. Because obviously, a lot of people lived in that area, or a lot there was a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, we always get people uh, from the Playboy Club and that, so uh, it was all good. A Playboy, what Peter Stringfellow? Oh, we get yeah, and um, Mr. Lounge was I think the the guy that ran the Playboy Club, and uh, their general manager was a big Brentford fan. Wasn't Lounge? Wasn't he a boxing promoter or something? As well. Oh, yes. Yeah, I thought so. I recognised yeah. the name anyway. So uh, you did 122 at uh, at Brentford, and we'll get on to the next move, which was uh, back to the West Country after we've had another record. And another one that I particularly like, and you obviously do, is The Who. Exactly. Fantastic. What a great band. It's a band I've never seen live, but I, I, I'm I going to try and get to see them before uh, it's it's too too far down the road. Well, I have. I went to see them at Bristol City. Oh. Um or probably going back a few years now and Ringo Starr's son yes, a, was played exactly. drums for him yeah yeah. Uh, what a drummer oh he's, oh, he's better than his dad yeah God, they, they were, oh it was a it was a fantastic concert it was brilliant they had because uh, Kenny Jones 
used to play as well uh, as a guest yeah. drummer sometimes. Yeah. So when you go back to, you know, Keith Moon, yeah. in the days of oh, he was a lunatic, wasn't he? Rob Royce is in this room and things like that. That was, no, that was uh, yeah. Those the, anyway, let's yeah. let's have a listen to "Won't Get Fooled Again." Oh, 
sadly time has not allowed us to play the extended version of the the eight or nine minute version is is fantastic i think the instrumental breaks in the middle are absolutely out of this world oh absolutely amazing yeah and you watch the tv programs now a lot of the american ones there's so many american programs that use the who's music yeah i'm sure they do oh, it's amazing yeah, and yeah. i always look you know at the end and, and listen to the end of some of these shows and mm. you know uh, dick wolf who's got a, who produces a lot of american stuff yeah he is a massive uh, who fan Ooh, and nearly all his shows yeah. that you see on on uh, sky end up with the who, who yeah uh, that's interesting so um what kind of hastened the break from brentford then to uh, to exeter well when i uh, i actually love my time at brentford um but bill got bill Dutton got the sack and tommy Baldwin, and then the, i was the start of the new season and Fred Callan, who came from Woking, um, came in, and Fred was a bit bumptious to say the least. And I, we just didn't see eye to eye. And my respect for Bill Dodging, you know, was immense. And, uh, mm. and I just didn't like the way where he was going with the club. And I, I, I lost patience. Um, and I decided to move back to the West Country. And I just walked away from Brentford. Um, and I came back, and I, I started work on the building site for a week because I always want to do some form of work to keep me active um, and I came back and I trained um, with Exeter City after that I had a week on the building site and then I thought I'm going nowhere at the moment um, and then I got a phone call at the blue uh, from Brentford I thought oh great what's happened you know can you get back up to Brentford this was on the Friday I had to go back on the Monday so I went up to Brentford on the Monday saw Mr Callan and uh, so I walked into his office and I, and I said uh, what's the problem because he wouldn't tell me on the phone on the Friday he said um Chelsea want you and so I had to go back uh, down the road to Chelsea to meet up with um, Jeff Hurst who was a manager at Chelsea and yeah. Bobby Gould yeah. who was a very good friend of mine from my days at Bristol City who was the assistant manager and you know cut a long story short I they offered me terms at Chelsea which was no better than I was getting it at Brentford and I would have been third choice at Chelsea so um, it all went flat and I said no I'd sooner go back to the West Country and I made my my idea then that I wanted to go back to the West Country I was feeling a bit homesick and you know as it worked out another month down the road Exeter um, took me and uh, they paid some money for me and then that was the start of our um, FA Cup run yeah. took us into the quarterfinals yeah. that season uh, when we beat Newcastle Leicester City um, and we were finally knocked out by uh, Tottenham so, so how old are you there Exeter 80, 80 50, 30 no oh, what would I be about yeah. 27 ish yeah yeah. So you you must be you know by this time you are a proper professional footballer in every sense of the word. Well, I had a few games. I I've been on my travels. I'd played a lot of games uh, on loan. I played a lot of games uh, for Brentford. I played about forty plus for Bristol City um, and a few others, and then and I played about a, I don't know quite a few for Exeter on that. Hundred and thirty-eight, uh, according to this. Well, there you go. So yeah, yeah um, but going back to Exeter was like coming home, really. Yeah. Because yeah. country boy, I my first season I was living with my parents uh, in Barrington, so I came back to Barrington. I was travelling to Exeter mm. every day, which was great. And on away trips, they picked me up at Taunton on the the motorway, so it was great. And that that. Um, that time I was enjoying my football at Exeter we had the, the first season we had the cup run where we we had some fantastic results we went away to Millwall and we beat them we went away to Leicester and drew I then broke my hand at Leicester after four minutes uh, but played the whole game 
with a broken hand and we drew one each missed the replay which we beat them 3-1 then we went to Newcastle and we beat then we drew at Newcastle 2-2 and beat them 4-0 in the replay and then we were in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup Exeter City you know in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup and then we went to Tottenham and we got beat 2-0 and we had a fantastic run um, and a great experience which I'll never ever forget mm, I think it was uh, probably against some yeah. great players on that uh, on yeah. that you know Gary Lineker at the time um, obviously was at Leicester played against um, Waddle at uh, Newcastle and uh, like I said uh, Huddle at Tottenham and a few others and uh, Steve Perriman who always reminds me when I should see him at Exeter City um, that, that they beat us 2-0 in the FA Cup quarter <laughs> Final, yeah. and obviously they went on to um, to win the FA Cup. Yeah, and the day yeah. they won the FA Cup, Exeter City um, football players were in Exeter Airport, just about to go on tour to Spain for an end of season tour. So that must have been 1981 because they always used to win the cup with right. one one on the end of it, wasn't it? It was well, always. It, it was quite funny because we were in the in the airport watching the cup final between Man City and. Um, Tottenham and uh, we beat Tottenham in the quarterfinals uh, sorry lost to Tottenham in the quarterfinals and my old buddy from Bristol City Jerry Gale was playing for uh, Man City alright so you know, so, so that was the Os v- Osvaldo Os- Aldiles and Aldiles. what was the other one? The Ricky Villa. Ricky Villa. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right, you know. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it was a, a game we played at Tottenham in the quarterfinal where they only had three sides of the ground because they were redeveloping the ground. Yeah, yeah. And of course, now they've got a, a most unbelievable uh, brand new stadium yeah. which looks amazing. I haven't been there, but I'm, I've seen oh, it the looks photos. Fantastic. It looks, yeah, yeah, I haven't absolutely. been there yet, but I've, another place I want to go to. And, yeah, you know, yeah. A great place for the Who to play, I think. Yeah, I think it would be. Yeah. Good point. So, um, let's move on with another record. Uh, record. I, well, that's you always feel like old-fashioned calling it a record, don't you? A track. Yeah, a track. And uh, this one is uh, uh, Mr. Phil Collins and Something in the Air. I think that's what it's called, isn't it? Something in the Air? No, In the Air Tonight. In the Air Tonight. In the Air Tonight. That's it. Okay, well, let's listen to Phil Collins for a minute. Thank you. 
Phil Collins then in the air tonight so uh, we move on now you're at Exeter and, and the next on the list is Yeovil Town so how did that come about? That's right well actually there's a, a couple in between there because obviously when I was at Exeter and I um, 
when I left uh, the club, Brian Godfrey was in, had been in charge, and again, respect for a decent manager. Um, he then moved to Weymouth, and I ended up <laughs> going to Weymouth, of mm. all places. Um, uh, and it was a great move for me, because they, I left Exeter, and I was quite young, really, for a keeper. I was only about 32, mm. uh, so I had a lot more years really in me. But um, I moved on to buy a... Well, I just bought a property uh, of uh, a news agent in Exeter, mm-hmm. and obviously that tied me in as well. So I had some business um, in me as well. So that that uh, tied in part of my week. But also, I thought we- Weymouth offered me a part-time contract on the same sort of money as I was earning at Exeter on a three-year deal. Oh, and I thought, that. wow, that was great. So mm. I was combining then. So I was now into uh, being a working man of having to work. A lot of hours a week because in a news agent you're working at six o'clock in the morning and you don't normally finish till about seven at night. So I had to, and being a single guy at the time, it was hard work. And then Mm. with all the travelling as well. Um, But I was lucky because there's three guys down in Exeter that were playing for Weymouth as well Martin and Pete Rogers and Hedley Steele, who I played with at Exeter. So um, yeah, I went there and had three years at Weymouth and uh, play with the likes of Andy Townsend and Tony Agana and Tommy Jones um, who all went on to play league football um, uh, and they went for a lot of money as well but then I came back to my um, my childhood team, team at Yeovil I was I've, I was lucky enough to come back to where I basically started my my football life really mm. uh, to come back and play for the team that I've always supported and always loved uh, was Yeovil Town yeah. you know, because I'd yeah. seen some great players at Old Hewish um, and I was lucky enough to play the last game at Old Hewish and play the first game against Newcastle on the Hewish Park yeah, yeah. against Newcastle um, and I had uh, like I said a time there so it was, it was a great time to come back and um, thank Brian Hall mm. um, who brought me back on a non-contract basis and I had a great time and um, we won the Bob Lord Trophy yeah. in my one season which was a, a great achievement um, after beating I think um, Kidderminster at home in the first leg and then we drew I think up there and then which won us a trophy so that was a great end of my playing career mm. uh, to win a trophy for Yeovil Town after all the years I used to watch them when I was seven yeah. with my dad and my uncles used to pick me up from Elminster you know at school and we go and watch Yeovil on a Wednesday night Mm. and then come back to Stoke and eat fish and chips on the way back which I used to love <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. go to school on a Thursday morning and, and tell them all about the Yeovil yeah. the Oval game you know and of course you ended up back at Yeovil Town which is where I first came across you when uh, Gary Johnson brought you in as goalkeeping coach he did yes I've got to thank Gary and um, I, I didn't know Gary at the time I was down at Exeter working and they were obviously um, non-league and we just actually been to Man United and drew with Exeter nil nil in the FA Cup, yeah, yeah, and they beat us two 0 in the Man United in the replay, um, which earned Exeter a lot of money. And then out of the blue, I got a phone call, and uh, it was Stuart Housley, and uh, he, he's obviously very very pally with uh, Gary. Mm. And he said, uh, "Would you like to come to Yeovil Town?" I thought, "Wow, this is this is great," because obviously, again, you know, going back to my days as a as a boy, you know, supporting playing for them and I thought now this is this is the icing on the cake so Gary offered me to come to Yeovil to uh, to coach and um, and obviously Chris Wheel was in goal um, and Steve Collis you know two yeah. very very good goalkeepers and I thought well hang on this is, a, this is too good to miss so um, I was going to try and combine the two work a bit at Exeter and then come to Yeovil but I, I couldn't uh, couldn't tie the two in so I said to Gary yeah I'd love to um, so I was living in Taunton um, easy access so I came and um, 
and then within about uh, I think six weeks after being at the club Gary then got the opportunity to go to Bristol City which was a great move for him mm. and uh, and then like I said Steve Thompson took over who I've become very very good friends with yeah. Um, yeah and then he took over and did a very good job and then in comes Russell Slade who I'd never met before and uh I thought, well, this is my time. It's finished at Yeovil now, but I met Russell, got chatting, asked me would I like to stay, and um, I said I'd love to. So I then worked under Russell. Uh, again, a very, very enjoyable time with him. And uh, then we get get into the playoffs after that fantastic night against uh, Nottingham Forest. Yeah, who could ever forget that oh one? Oh, my God, that was just amazing, yeah. amazing time in, in my life as not only a football player, but as a football coach. And uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't wish for a, a better ending to a story hmm. um, than what we had at Notts Forest after being you know dumped at home yeah. go there and how the, how the whole night panned out was just yeah. amazing and uh, it, it still gives me a tingle thinking back now every time I look at that programme yeah, yeah. that night I go wow you know what a night amazing and who could forget first call on the coach was into Tesco's or something oh, where they get yeah. some food and people, stuff on the way back people now they use that word amazing uh, so many times it, it drags me at times I think well they, all the time that was an amazing night oh yeah and yeah. You, you will never ever forget that you know it's and to be a kid at seven watching the old town to think if I was seven thinking I'm going to you know go to Knott's Forest in front of 30 odd thousand people yeah. watch Yeovil or get Yeovil into the, the playoff final at Wembley a little town like Yeovil to beat Notts Forest who were uh, European yeah. champions back to back unbelievable well, I, it? I had to pinch myself and obviously um, I, I thought on the night was fantastic everybody um, was very appreciative you know we didn't go over the top and then like like you said we ended up to celebrate we've ended up going to Tesco to get yeah. some beer yeah. you know and then coming back to Yeovil and yeah. just having a great trip back to uh, a great back to, trip back to Yeovil <laughs> Right, well, let's uh, let's finish off. We're getting to the end of your tale, so let's finish off with something a little bit more modern, and that's Giants from um, Rag and Bone Man. Super, yeah, absolutely. I it's, love him. It's I good. love him today. He's brilliant. Good, yeah, good track, isn't it? Okay, well, let's have a listen to it then. I understood loneliness before I knew what it was. I saw the pills on your table for your unrequited love. Without you holding me up Now I'm strong enough for both of us Both of us, both of us, both of us I am a giant Stand up on my shoulders Tell me what you see
Ragaboman and Giants, and uh, I think we both agree. I, I've, I'm, I'm not great into modern music these days, but I did like that when I was. Oh, it's, a, it. it's a, a song that I, I I play and play on my um, on my phone, and it's a song that really gets me buzzing, especially yeah. when they start playing the uh, the trumpets. I really really get uh, get a little tinge on that one. So looking back on your time, you know, as a professional footballer. Um, highs and lows any particular highs or any particular lows that really stick in your mind well obviously um to play against Pelé was great and George Best was was wonderful but I go back to um the start of my footballing education of watching Yeovil when I was seven because uh, we go back to the days when the slope there's about a nine foot drop and uh, they come out the bottom end and um you know I got to meet a lot of um, people in and around Yeovil uh, during my life, but uh, that when they used to run out to uh, keep on running the Spencer Davis group, uh, with yeah. Ron Saunders, who sadly passed away uh, last week, uh, it's very sad. But I always remember that uh, that song, and every time I um, I hear it on the radio, I think of Yeovil Town, keep on running, um, you know, which was a, a, a great great uh, memory um, about the club and uh, about the way he wanted Yeovil to play and then he goes on to manage Aston Villa to a European Cup mm. win and uh, which was fantastic and uh, his, his career was brilliant um, but like I said I've, I've had some great times I met some great people um, on and off the field um, in my career um, which has gone back a long time um, with all the clubs I've played for I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed really all the clubs in, in a small part um, even with Colchester but um, but like I said I had a great time at Yeovil as a, as a supporter as a player and as a coach um, and uh, like I said a great time at Bristol City wonderful time at Brentford and met some like I said some great people and had some great times 
Well, thanks, Len. It's been it's been great, you know, listening to you. Some interesting tales and some some big names that have come in and out of the conversation. And uh, you know, it's unbelievable, really. You've had a career that you have, and uh, you know, you're sat in my little man cave well, now, it's talking great, to me about. Being here, and it's uh, <laughs> lovely to be with you again. And uh, like I said, I've been very very lucky um, because I've started at a place um, which obviously was home, and I've ended up my career in football at uh, at home. And uh, like I said, I'm uh, I've really uh, been a happy guy when I've been playing because I've enjoyed doing what I've doing what I've, what I've done uh, over the years. And uh, like I said, um, not many people can say that uh, they've enjoyed their work from the age of 15 to 65. And I'm I'm one of those guys that can honestly say that. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed, Len. Well, that was Len Bond who joined us uh, in the In Conversation studio and very informative it was too. Imagine how Bondy mixed it with Pele. Wonders will never cease. Well, that's it for this week. Join us again next week. Same station, same time. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room Space to this is Three Valleys Radio, and you've been listening to In Conversation with A.D. Hopper. And the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck. And you're not moving anywhere, you thought you found a friend. Stay tuned for all the local news and sport on Three Valleys Radio. Ahead. Turn for grace It's a beautiful